What is the frame of reference for one's own life, one's identity, the safety of the past breath to the present breath into the next breath? Well, that would be the mystery of God, the mystery of the cosmos, eternity, all space, and yet just one's own incarnate body here, safely alive into the next moment. What renders that to be so? We might say a multiplicity of causations render that to be so. However, I note that most of our attention goes incorrectly to the preservation of self-importance over other people and one's environment. We tend to assert, if I exist, then I am more important than what is around me into the next moment. So I will survive over and above everyone else and everything else. This isn't exactly the way that we experience it in our hearts and souls and our breath, but it is the aggression toward the future based on fear and a lack of self-worth or a vanity of self-importance. It has rendered itself extremely obvious in the current world with the idea of wealth and fame and greed and power so that as I speak, one country is invading another. And interestingly, I don't want to bring a lot of politics into this contemporary discussion but the current president of the Ukraine, Zelensky, was asked in an interview the other night, which parts of his country would he be willing to give to the country now invading him? And my own inner response was, which parts of that country should be given to President Zelensky to pay back the land and the trees and the animals and the sea and the people for what's been done to them? It's sort of like the, the bill was being presented to the wrong person. The attack on a country or the rape of a human being or the death of a child under our care or an elder is the responsibility of all of us. And it is not really only about our own lives. And so we go into an extreme isolation of trying to build adequate self-importance as a frame of reference to say, I'm here, and you're here, and what shall we do? And we tend to say, oh, I'm nothing, or I'm really wounded, you know, I need you to help me, and you owe me. Or we wound somebody else to say, you're not as important as I am, so that we are slightly intoxicated on our own karma, and we have very few people who live in a neutral body of grace, practicing embodying the frame of reference of eternity, all creation, and being in the flow of that blessed grace, whether we name it by a sacred name or a secular one. When we are in that flow, we don't feel quite real. We do not feel only ourselves, but rather the presence of God, the presence of the divine, the presence of a cosmic or universal or celestial 
blessing or way in all beings, in all of creation. If we're ever privileged to meet a great medicine man or woman, a man or woman, a person dedicated to the sacred in traditional tribes, they often bespeak a relationship to all that is natural. They might say, I heard the hawk call this morning. I watched the sun coming in the eastern window, and I listened to the sound of the great bird. If we ask them what were they doing, well, they were alive. They were part of the prayer of the day, part of the life force of the frame of reference of a particular morning of eternity on earth in their incarnation enjoined by all of the divine everywhere in the cosmos upon this earth sun rising bird flying human being breathing attuned attenuated to the frame of reference oh the identity of my creator and myself. And there's an old phrase from several native traditions saying, it is good. Ah, it is good. A being like me might have many things cross my desk on that day. The death of a baby, the death of an elder, the death of an elder of the person's spouse far away so that they're each grieving the loss of a parent on two sides of a continent. A husband and wife can't be together. One must take care of his late mother and his kin, and his wife must take care of her late father and the widow who was her mother and her kin, her children, adult children, her siblings, their children the generous capacities in each family, the argumentative and difficult ones. In the threads of weaving through the breaths of all of these people, we are a holy family. That is our frame of reference. These are all our relations. And yet we're here, one man, one woman, one person, and there is a hesitancy toward the next breath of wonder, not fear, but wonder, what shall we do? If we respond only to the woundedness in one another, we are not finding the way. If we respond into the one who has created the sunrise and the hawk and the storm and the rainbow and your breath and mine, ah, eternity all of creation, in your incarnation, in my incarnation, this way. And then if the other person is being predatory or victimizing himself or herself or themselves, we don't give our attention to the woundedness where they're saying it's never enough, it's not enough, the billionaire is not enough, or that billionaire is doing the wrong thing, 
till the planet's about ready to fall over or this one's doing the wrong thing. We stop judging all the religions and all the nations and languages and fashion styles and high salaries and low salaries and homeless person and one in a mansion. And we establish a frame of reference that is ceremonial. There is respect for creation existing right now as life in your body, existing right now as life in my body. How shall we breathe together, you and I? So that the frame of reference for allowing the flow is allowing the the path that is always the path, where our attention is turned only to that, no matter what anyone else is doing. If one's attention is attuned only to that, then our soul and heart and the Holy of Holies are embodying a principle that is my incarnation as a vessel of that creator. And the frame of reference for the length of my breaths, the length of the moments of my life, is my being a vessel to the best of my ability in this incarnation to serve that, to serve God, not to judge anyone, but to utilize to the best of one's principles virtue called forward in each being, including oneself, allowance of that flow in each being, including oneself, and not pausing to cause harm nor receive harm from oneself or any other being. This is the place where the deep mystics reside. And when we study their stories, we have rare tales of the Taoist master or beautiful Eastern European Jewish tales of the Messiah. The Messiah comes into a square and Men come from the various shops and say, the Messiah's come, the Messiah's come. I must go home and tell my wife. I, I must go home and get a coat. I must go lock my shop window. I'll be right there. And when they return, the Messiah and the two men who simply left with him are gone and they're never heard from again. Never seen again. Where did they go? You might say they're everywhere. You might say the Messiah is probably a man or woman who resides in such a way that there's nothing and no one there except the movement of the frame of reference of the Holy of Holies. Allowing the flow, always the flow, virtuously, everywhere he or she or they breathe and walk, 
and enjoy the grace of life, the blessing that is life, embodying virtue. The beautiful story in the Hopi tradition is of Massah, the Messiah, with the phrase noted privately yet ever so modestly, Oh, Massah incarnates in every age among the people upon the earth. One can know him by his planting stick. He is simply walking in his body and planting. Attuned to heaven in his breath, receiving heaven through all the cells of her body, embodying heaven on earth. So that the translation point is so transparent, there's no argument. He, she, they are being faithful to the Holy of Holies. How many moments shall they live? Eternity. How long shall the cells of that incarnation dwell upon this earth? To be a baby, a toddler, a child, an adolescent, an adult, an elder. And then we begin to realize we're not afraid. We are anticipating, is it really safe for me to breathe now and be who I am in heaven on earth? We tend to begin to cause and think and project with our personality and emotions. Well, then what will you do? And one of my old teachers would say, it's none of your business what the other person does. It's important what you do. You are to be faithful to that alignment, that path. And then we have the questions, what shall I do if a rattlesnake comes? There are many answers. Walk around it. Go away from it. If bitten, seek treatment. There are great elders who would kill the snake, others who would use the snake in ceremony, others who would eat the snake, others who would tell the snake to go, go away, go back to your home. We may not find a poisonous snake, but a wildflower a tree, a garden, hard work, poverty, affluence. And every day there will be a question from the absolute, the source, God as father, mother, that great one, in which we are to find more deeply that resonance of God in all beings and all of creation. It may be that we have a sweater on and realize that we've gone by a homeless woman who is really cold. And we realize, I have two sweaters. I have one in my day pack. And we simply take that sweater out and give it to her. Or we may realize, I've seen this woman before. She is making a game, a sport out of her discomfort. She's still cold. 
So I may give her the sweater and say, you should go to the shelter and get help. You seem to need counseling or care medically. It's all right for you to obtain that. We may pray for her so that if she is mentally infirm and unable to cope with her own mental imbalance, we are a part of the strength of the sanity beside her in how the divine or the cosmos has created her to be. So allowing the flow lets us establish a relationship with the riverbanks of all that is around us, the nations, their leaders, their people, their languages, their customs, our own. So that no matter what we encounter, our quest is only ever in eternity, everywhere, for God in you, and you, and you, and myself. And then into the next breath, we encounter an experience of remembering, oh, I, I was always to embody this principle. I simply did not have adequate permission to represent my path to allow my identity to be eternal and singular, let interwoven with God in the paths of all other beings. How could I have forgotten? How could I have neglected this? How could I have lost my way and not embodied my way? Well, let me do so now in that eternal return again and again. And then we open up that place that the deep mystics call home, where it is one between the Creator and ourselves, and we humbly and nobly practice becoming this incarnately as the human being we are. When someone else sees us, we seem like nothing to them. Who are you? There's nobody important there. There's just your aura is so transparent, I just don't even know what to think about you. And we respond, I know. Because there's nobody there but everybody. There's nobody there but oneself in relationship to the Messiah everywhere, in the heart of hearts of everyone, in the heart of God respecting and honoring whoever the Messiah is out there, if indeed there is a single human being or several of them. And then that being is safe, walking home beside us. We are walking beside them as they stand with the planting stick, breathing, in virtue, beyond war, beyond hatred. And then a second point of practice comes into play. Oh my goodness, the woundedness of us all. We were so identified with it. 
I would wound you, then you would wound me, then I would wound someone from another nation, culture, linguistic group, color of skin or eyes, texture of hair, height of body, temperament of personality. And when we allow ourselves to be in the flow, returning home, allowing the divine to move within us, we find that the woundedness begins to reconcile itself. As I repatriate myself to God, what I am in my age and my culture is an instrument of that, but it is not who I am. It is a part of the signature of my incarnation, but created so that who I am is able to represent unity, unity in a great diversity, oneness among us all. I remember many years ago being with friends in early adolescence <clears throat> in very hot weather and all of us got sunburned. The worst sunburn was on the African-American friend. His hurt, skin hurt enough that he cried. The next worst sunburn was on a Chinese-American young woman. She was very stoic and said, I, I'll be fine, I'm fine. She didn't want cream or ointment to help her skin. And the least sunburn was on a very light-skinned Caucasian boy. The one person who was most upset about it was a young Jewish friend who was insulted that he was considered to be white. He said, everyone knows that the Jewish people are their own race. It's interesting. A group of perhaps 16, 14 to 15 year olds, all sunburned. Some wounded, some not. All different responses to the same sun at the Grand Canyon in Arizona. As we hiked to the bottom and back up. And as we had to carry one of our classmates up the last few miles, because she had not told anyone she had asthma. She was afraid that she wouldn't have been allowed to hike to the bottom of the canyon. So up the Bright Angel Trail, which is actually not terribly wide, we carried her. Her own woundedness of being embarrassed was enough that she was angry with everyone. It was very hard to know what to say to her. In my own humor, I would tend to think, well, you could just say thank you, at least. You know, we were all on that walk, too. But she was embarrassed at her asthma, ashamed. And her incarnation had not let her be deceitful to us. It had revealed her illness. And we took care of it in the best way that we could. 
for whatever reason, she had not taken care of the rest of us, and the one young man with the African-American coloration was the most affected because in his carrying her, the back of his neck and top of his shoulders were exposed. A couple of the guys took their shirts off because it was about 115 degrees Fahrenheit. If we look at every moment of life based on the woundedness of what we in our ignorance do to one another, in our not knowing or our ignoring the truth, or not letting a frame of reference large enough for God and each other to exist, we are all slaves. We are all slave owners. We are all slave traders. I won't tell you about my infirmity because you might not let me be a billionaire. I won't tell you about mine because you might not, whatever. And we start being enweaponed rather than allowing the frame of reference of creation being very specific and quite perfect. Oh, I have asthma. Oh, I don't. My lungs are good. Why don't I hike to the bottom of the canyon and bring you a rock? And you please stay here and take care of your chest. When we don't embody the principle of the vessel we are, transparently, we inflict woundedness on one another. And when we identify, you wounded me, you owe me, we have lost the eternal pathway and turned from allowing the flow of grace. This is why forgiveness is imperative. I forgive you. Now, where were we? You and God and myself in the universe together, you very Christian, you a deep Sikh, you an agnostic Buddhist whose mother is praying to the family statue of the Buddha for you, even though you only believe in the cosmos. Where were we? Your mother, you, my father, myself. How shall we represent this ocean so that it is always flowing through us? And that the translation point that is truly messianic is embodied as the very principle of the heart of hearts which has created us all, always and everywhere. May we live that perfect flow.